evening. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to uh, speak on what I consider to be the single most controversial topic in the entire Bible. Okay, now, I just got everybody's attention, but you're going to be surprised when I talk about what this topic is, because on the, ostensibly, it doesn't seem like this should be controversial, but when you apply it practically (laughs) in your life, it is controversial. Let me say this as well. Uh, We've been doing a series on the um, Christian virtues, just Pastor Morris and I and and, uh, and, uh, Pastor Wall uh, coming kind of, you know, circling on in and doing this series. So we pick one, and Pastor Morris suggested that I do this tonight. He said that would be a good one uh, for you to zero in on. So we're going to talk about the most controversial topic in the entire Bible, one word, the word forgiveness. The word forgiveness. You say, Pastor, why in the world? Because forgiveness is simple, but it is not easy. And because forgiveness in the Bible is so clear-cut, it doesn't let us have a loophole to escape. In other words, there is no one in this room who is the exception and does not have to forgive someone. Now, when I make that statement, I'm in no way minimizing the potential offense that you've suffered at the hands of another person, but I am saying that the Bible requires you to forgive. And we're going to talk about exactly what that means. I think some people struggle with forgiveness because they don't understand the biblical concept. Now, having said all of that, why do I think it's so controversial? Because when I preach somewhere, if I ever go speak out of town, and a lot of times I'm going to preach for Pastor Scotty after Thanksgiving, a lot of times they'll ask me to do a series. I've preached my Peace of Mind series, four or five sermons, all over the country, (coughs) and even in some foreign countries. And And so sometimes they ask for a specific thing, but when they just ask for, you know, let's have a three-night meeting or something, or you're going to speak three or four times, without a doubt, every time when I consider just to be random sermons that I'm preaching, every single time I will always speak on the topic of forgiveness, because it's one of the most key topics of the Christian life. But in addition, it's also very controversial. People genuinely, everyone everyone, the older you are, the more real what I'm saying is probably, everyone struggles with this particular topic. What is forgiveness? How do I forgive? And on and on it goes. So every time I've ever preached this after the uh, sermon, when I, and not this sermon, by the way, but a particular one that I use when I'm preaching out, every time I've ever preached it, I've been confronted by one or two people quietly after the service, and they tell me how nice the sermon was, but they are the grand exception to the entire concept. <laughs> and uh, I actually had a Bible college professor argue with me over it at one point in time. A very smart man, but a very wrong man when it came to this because he was blinded by resentment toward his sister that had lasted for years, okay, over some tiff that uh, she and him had had, and it lasted for years, and he wanted to justify it. So what we're looking at is something that is simple, but it is not easy. Now, having said that, I want to ask you a question tonight. And this is not a gauge of your spirituality. It could be a gauge of your honesty. How many would say, Pastor Monty, that there have been times in my life when I made a positive decision, but I was inconsistent with it or struggled with it? I have both hands in the air, okay? Of course, if you're going to grow and change, you have to make a positive decision. But you're not a perfect person, and so there will be inconsistency. 
What I want to point out tonight is the struggle that we have to forgive because it is a struggle. Sometimes, not it shouldn't be with everything, but with some things, it keeps coming back to our thinking. Okay, and we're going to get into why that is and then some of the basics about it. But Ephesians chapter 4, look with me at verse number 31. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. This is very clear scripture. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Okay, those things are talking about heart problems that are expressed through the mouth. And be kind one to another. So this is a replacement. The idea here is replacing. You're going to replace malice, those malignant characteristics of verse 31. You're going to replace them with something else. You're not just going to be empty inside. You're going to go from the deep dark of negative to the bright light of positive. So verse 32. Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. And this is key. The next phrase is key. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now that's a pretty clear command. We're to set aside evil speaking, malice, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, all of those things. And we're to embrace kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. And the forgiveness is on the level of uh, how God has forgiven you. Okay, it is on that level. Now let me ask you a question. Has God forgiven you completely of all your sins? Yes or no? Yes, okay. Well, that's part of the standard. Then I have to forgive others of their sins against me, all of them. Not just holding some things, um, well, Pastor Maria, you know, there's some things I can forgive, but I can't forgive X, Y, and Z, okay? We'll talk about why that doesn't hurt the person you're not forgiving, but it certainly hurts you. And there are a lot of people who view forgiveness as, oh, well, if I forgive so-and-so, I've given them a hall pass. That is not true. Forgiveness, what forgiveness does is it frees you as the individual. And that's where I want you to see the value in forgiveness. But look at the introduction. Oh, by the way, um, look at chapter 5, verse 1. So he says, forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Then it says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to figure out what it's there for, okay? He is basing the beginning of chapter 5 on the end of chapter 4. And so if I'm going to be a follower of God as a dear child, one of the key principles that has to be a reality, a working reality in my life, is the word forgiveness. Now look at your introduction. Certain principles are core values of the Christian faith. For example, love for God and neighbor is a seriously important Christian value or virtue. Without it, Christian profession is not genuine. Similarly, the principle of forgiveness ranks very high in essential virtues shared by all Christians. Like love, forgiveness is not optional. And that's something I really want to emphasize. It is not optional. Forgiveness is not for super saints alone. Just as Jesus commanded us to love our enemies, he also commanded us to forgive every offense made against us, and there are no exceptions. Now, it's really easy to talk about this on a theoretical level in church with our Bible in our hand. It's much harder to live this out because forgiveness deals with my inner life. And you know what? No one can see my inner life. Now, my inner life will come out. 
Okay, it does come out. He's passed money. How does your inner life come out? By the things we say. Jesus said this out of the abundance. This is one of the greatest principles you ever learn about people. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Okay, what is in my heart eventually in little samples will come out of my mouth. If you listen carefully enough to someone, the heart, what's in the heart is revealed through what comes out of the mouth. And so eventually, if I am holding in my heart the malignancy of unforgiveness, that will eventually come out of my mouth, maybe not in a tirade of anger against someone, but in little words of slight that I speak toward that person or about that person. And that would be an indication, a symptom, if you will, of a lack of forgiveness. Okay, so having said this, and knowing that forgiveness is simple but not easy, we really need to define forgiveness, because this is where part of the struggle comes in. Okay, what, what is forgiveness? Fundamentally, forgiveness is the releasing of a debt. It, it's actually a word that carries with it a, an accounting flavor. Someone owes us something and we cancel their indebtedness. We might use the words, we're not going to hold it over their head, or we're not going to hold that person hostage in regard to the violation that they made. Now, right away, because I've learned over the years how to anticipate the arguments against this, <laughs> because so many people argue against it. Right away, someone will come up and say, well, um, you know, um, Pastor Monty, you know, uh, um, I, I believe I should, you know, release this debt, but you don't know how big the debt is. Well, we're going to get into that if, if I have time towards the end of the lesson. Otherwise, I'll ask you to read something in scripture. But, but um, it doesn't matter. Okay, the requirement is to forgive, and scripture says to forgive from the heart. Okay, it is to release the debt. So it does not deny the reality of the debt. So when I talk about forgiveness, right away, so I'll pass money, you know, well, you know, if I, if I forgive, then it's just like nothing happened. No, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't do away with the reality of the debt, but it says I'm canceling that debt in that person's life, okay? If you've ever had someone owe you money and then they're not gonna pay it anyway and you get irritated about it after a while because they're not gonna pay you back anyway and so you might say, hey, you know, you, know, you owe me 50 bucks but hey, you, know, let's, you, you pay for dinner tonight and it's all canceled, okay? Well, that, you know, and you may, maybe they will pay for dinner. If they're gonna pay for dinner, by the way, don't go to Taco Bell. Okay, pick, pick, something, pick something with a little teeth to it, okay? But, uh, but you, you, you see what I'm saying? Once that's done, or, or even you say to the person, hey, yeah, you owed me 50 bucks, but I know you're having a hard time right now. Just don't worry about that. That's a gift. Don't worry about that. That's a gift. Okay, that moment, that's what forgiveness is. Debt forgiveness. You hear those words bantered about in, in, the, uh, in the news sometimes. Debt forgiveness, okay? Forgiveness in the Bible is precisely that. The debt is real. I'm not denying the reality of the debt, but I'm saying there comes a time when you cancel it in your own life from that person. Okay, so that's fundamentally what the word means. Um, now, so practically, because that's all very theoretical, right? Practically, how does that work out? Practically, forgiveness is a decision. Now, remember what I said a minute ago? We can be inconsistent with our good decisions. Our best intentions, sometimes we struggle with those decisions. Practically, forgiveness is a decision to never bring up the offense again to the offender, to others, to yourself, or to God. By the way, that, that practical definition comes from Dr. J. Adams, okay, one of his books on counseling. 
Uh, that's what it looks like. Well, well wait a minute, Pastor Monty. Well, um, you mean I can't tell anyone about the problem? Nope. Nope, because you forgave the person. The problem doesn't exist anymore. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Monty. You mean I, I shouldn't think about the problem? No, because if you bring it up to yourself, you're going to produce something called resentment. The Bible word for resentment is bitterness. Do you see how this is? It's simple, but this is not easy especially in regard to some offenses that run very, very deep. But practically speaking, I make a decision to never bring up the offense again to the offender, to others, to yourself, or to God. The offended party decides to clear the slate, let it go, drop it forever. Okay, those are all words that can be used in regard to forgiveness. <laughs> then point C, forgiveness changes the heart of the forgiver, not necessarily the heart of the forgiven. While forgiveness can be mutual, often it is not. That's really important to note, okay? Because some people view, and they like to use the word apology. The word apology comes from the Greek word apologia, it means defense. And so really, the idea of an apology, someone says, hey, I'm sorry for that, but this is the reason why, and then they defend themselves, okay? Forgiveness is not that. Forgiveness is when I release that debt from that person, whether or not they acknowledge their own wrongdoing. You're not in charge of them, okay? Now, we're gonna get into what I call mutual forgiveness that leads to another concept. We'll get into that in a moment. But fundamentally, you can forgive someone. So someone said, Pastor Monty, you know, um, I, I had this horrible thing happen in my childhood, this, 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 and this, and uh, I never forgave my dad, and now he's dead. Forgive him. Yeah, but he's dead you can still forgive because forgiveness takes place in your heart, okay? That's what makes the difference. It takes place in your heart. And by the way, um, it's, it's for you as much as it's for the other person. The feedback that I get, the negative feedback I get on forgiveness is, well, Pastor Money, I'm just letting them off the hook. No, in forgiveness, I am saying, let God's justice take over. Not my justice, God's justice. In forgiveness, I'm saying I'm trusting God's justice. It is not a matter of letting them off the hook. Listen, it's a matter of letting me off the hook. Because if I wander around with unforgiveness in my heart towards someone, even if they've committed a, a, something horrible about me, if I wander around with that, I'm carrying that with me, and that person may be out of my life, that person may be dead, and because I carry unforgiveness in my heart, I am still inextricably chained to that individual. And why wouldn't you want to be free? And freedom can come based upon this Bible principle. So, so while forgiveness can be mutual, often it is not. Unilateral forgiveness is still forgiveness, but it only affects the one side, and it affects you positively because you're willing to forgive. Okay, so that's a basic idea of what is forgiveness. I'm going to release someone from this debt. Okay, and I'm not gonna think about it, I'm not gonna talk about it, I'm gonna do my best to set it up. But Pastor, why don't you know, it's the, the offense that this person committed is such an integral part of my life, it's hard not to think about it. I know, I know. And that's why forgiveness is hard. And that's why sometimes we struggle with it, though it is a decision, a point in time decision, we as human beings struggle to keep a heart of forgiveness toward that person because of our propensity for resentment. 
And let me make a statement here. Resentment, what the Bible calls bitterness, that's a term in the Bible, they're the same thing. Resentment resounds better, I think, with people today. They understand that a little better. Resentment is the single most malignant emotion that a person can adopt. And Jesus talked about resentment, or he used the word hatred, being on par with murder. And there are many good people, good people, who have come to the place of resentment so deeply in their life, they would never admit this, they would never admit it, but they've come to the place of resentment so deeply in their life that in the back of their mind, in the darkest recesses of the malignancy of their mind, they will sometimes have a thought like this, I wish that person were dead. Or they fantasize about that person's death. That happens more than you could possibly imagine because people get so involved in resentment because they simply won't let it go. And when I say let it go, I'm not minimizing the offense. I really need you to understand that tonight, but I'm saying you're chained to that person. So in a case, and I'll talk about it more in a moment, um, in a case of abuse, let's say you grew up in an abusive home situation or you were abused physically or sexually as a child, okay? If you're unwilling to let that go, you will be chained to that for the rest of your life and it will form and affect and continue to manipulate your life. And part of freedom is saying, I acknowledge this happened. It was completely wrong. I am a victim. Now I'm letting it go. And by the way, when I say that, let me be real clear. You're not, you're not letting someone off the hook as far as legality is concerned. You're not doing that. Um, that's something you take care of on a different level, but you're doing this in your heart. Does everybody follow what I'm saying? If this is a heart thing. We're talking about the heart thing. Okay, so, um, so that's what forgiveness is. What, what isn't forgiveness, okay? Sometimes it's easier to understand something by understanding what it is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling or an emotion. I was counseling with someone many years ago, and uh, the lady said, well, well, I'll forgive so-and-so one day, someday. And I said, when's that gonna be? And she said, when I feel like it. Well, that could be a lot. I said, well, when is that gonna be? She said, well, I don't know, I have to feel like it. I said, well, is it gonna be next week? Is it gonna be next month? And she looked at me real funny. And she said, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, what day are you planning to feel like it so you can obey what God said? So it's not a matter of feeling. By the way, if you think it's a matter of feeling, do you think when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you think he, in his humanity, do you think he felt like that at that moment? Genuine forgiveness is not getting over it. A lot, well, Pastor, why is just gonna take me some time to get over it? That's not really forgiveness. Genuine forgiveness is when I make a decision to dismiss the issue while the sting of the offense is still there. That's what makes forgiveness hard, because none of us wants to work against our feelings, and yet that's what forgiveness is. It's going against my feelings. My natural feelings would be to go beat somebody up, and forgiveness says no. While the sting of the offense is still real, I need to, to, uh, to wipe the slate clean in forgiveness. So it's not a feeling or emotion. You don't wait to forgive until you feel like it. Remember, Jesus forgave those who crucified him while he was hanging on the cross. Number two, forgiveness, and this is really important. This is really important because this is where the arguments come in. 
Forgiveness is not reconciliation or the restoring of a relationship. They are two separate things, okay? This is really important to understand, okay? Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Now, ideally, restoration of a relationship should happen in Christian circles. So, um, I talked about last time I was in this, uh, this uh, session, I talked about James chapter 3 and, and the misuse of the tongue, right? You remember that, as some of you do. And um, where James said in James chapter 3 of pastors, he said, in many things, we offend all. And I'm very guilty of that, not just offending people in the pulpit, by saying stuff that I don't even know is offensive sometimes, you know? Everyone's changed the level of offensive. You know, it used to be, this was the level of offensive, now, you know, you, know, you, you say anything about anybody, you know, you know, you know, you can't even name a people group, you know? You're always, I'm always fumbling around trying to figure out which word is the appropriate word because it changes every week to talk about a people group, so I just pretend they don't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> That's a sad reality. But, um, but we, if I offend someone that way, and they come to me and say, preacher, comment you made really offended me, I want to get that right with them. Okay? And when we get that right, there's reconciliation. Okay? Um, you've been married. You ever have a, any of you ever have a fuss with your spouse? Come on, be honest about it. Boy, Bonnie, your hand just, right up, like, boom, you know. You know, the truth is we do. Okay, you're either going to forgive and reconcile, or it's really going to be a miserable few years as you walk awkwardly to the divorce court, okay? Um, if forgiveness is essential in relationship, and reconciliation is often something that can happen, but this, they're not the same thing. So it's not a feeling, it's not reconciliation. Ideally, a restored relationship should happen, but sometimes it doesn't. Some offenses, I want every eye on this. Some offenses, such as sexual or physical abuse, make reconciliation dangerous to the victim. In such cases, reconciliation is not necessary, and frequently, it is ill-advised. Okay, let us be plain. I'm not in favor of divorce. Divorce happens, there's reasons for it. I'm not in favor of divorce, but if a, if a man has sexually abused his children, then I would tell the woman, get out and never look back. I got in trouble for preaching that somewhere one time because they didn't like that idea. But I don't believe a woman or children should ever be in harm's way. Did you hear what I said? Ever be in harm's way. I'm super firm about that, okay? And, and so, well, but Pastor Monty, they have to forgive. Yeah, the, the kid who got abused is gonna have to go through a process of learning to let it go, but not restore that relationship, which could be harmful psychologically, it could be triggering, and it could even be harmful physically. Does everybody understand what I'm saying here? So reconciliation. Now, when I, when I, make, when I make this statement, some people, when I preach on this topic, they're, oh, good, phew, man, he finally gave me the loophole. Okay, the loophole is really limited, folks. My forgive, remember, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing, and reconciliation should normally happen unless the, um, the, 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 the offense is of a nature that it endangers the victim, okay? Do you follow what I'm saying? So the fact that someone said something off the cuff to you that you didn't like, nah, okay, that doesn't count. You can't just say, blow up a relationship over something small, okay? Um, reconciliation is mutual. So remember, it's different from forgiveness. Reconciliation is mutual, requiring the agreement of both parties. 
Forgiveness can be unilateral, meaning only one party need extend forgiveness. Reconciliation requires two or more to come to agreement. Forgiveness only requires one. Does everyone see that? So where's the onus of forgiveness? The Bible, and we'll see it in a moment in some scripture, the Bible places the onus, the responsibility for forgiveness squarely upon my shoulders. Now reconciliation requires two. Some said, Pastor Monty, you know, I forgave so-and-so and I went to this person and I tried to get it right and make it right between us and, and it just wouldn't be right. Okay, you've done what you can do. The key that you've forgiven and you attempted to make it right, that's what you can do. The reconciliation part requires the other person's willingness. Sometimes people are not willing to reconcile, okay? Or sometimes they reconcile years later, but that's a shame. I always think, you know what I always think is a shame? When people have a spirit of unforgiveness that lasts for years, or when people refuse to reconcile, and it lasts for years, and we all get old, and we all get old and we waste all kinds of time that we could have had with a good relationship with that person. So I had a, I might mention this on Sunday in my morning message, I had a, a, a really fun luncheon today with a man named Skip Buskell. I can use his name, I'm sure he wouldn't care. Um, I used to work for him. I was um, um, on their day off. The family owned a big automobile shop in Minneapolis, uh, Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center, somewhere up there. And I used to work, I managed the shop. I did not work on the vehicles, to the glory of God. But I managed the shop and I managed the mechanics and took care of the customers when they would have a day off. And um, I haven't seen him probably, he, he'd been to our old church one time after I came down here, but I probably haven't seen him in 20 years. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. That man taught me some things. I'll talk about that on Sunday probably. Uh, but he's now, he's about to turn 80 years old. So he's, a, he's slowed down just a little bit, you know. And, um, and a great Christian, loves the Lord, has been generous to the cause of Christ for decades in his life. Greatly blessed by God, I think, because in part because of his generosity. Just one of the best men I've ever known in my life. And a funny, funny fellow, like full of, full of practical jokes. He still has that mischievous twinkle in his eye. Just love it. And, uh, and just a great guy all across the board. Um, wouldn't it be a shame, and, and he and I have never had a conflict, but wouldn't it be a shame if you had a conflict with someone that meant a lot in your life and then you waited for years and when you finally decided to get it right, you know, that person's older, you're older, and you've wasted years of what could have been a right relationship. Wouldn't that be a shame? You know, you know what's worse than that? What's worse than that is standing over someone's casket, looking down into their casket with tears of regret because you were too stubborn to just let it go. That's what's worse. That's what's worse. Why, why is forgiveness something that is urgent? Because for every single one of us, there's a time clock ticking, and it's, it's time we move ahead with it. So um, now notice this point C. Forgiveness is not ongoing submission to habitual offenders. Forgiveness is not an invitation to keep on offending, okay? Uh, forgiveness, well, Pastor Monty, if I forgive the person, I'm weak. No, if you forgive the person, you're very, very strong. It does, forgiveness does not mean you open yourself up to ongoing issues or abuse. Forgiveness often draws boundaries, and boundaries are legitimate. For example, if someone promises to pay me back the money I lent them, and they don't, I may forgive the debt, but I also may refuse to lend them any more money. Okay, that's a real simple boundary, right? And I can, I can do that. The two are not 
in conflict, okay? With some people in life, you do have to set some reasonable boundaries. You don't, by the way, you don't have to go and announce it to them. You know, brother, I think uh, we're going to have some boundaries here, and here they are. Now, there might be a few people, Rudy, you have to. I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but typically you don't. But typically you just know how to set some boundaries with people, okay? And you don't have to do so in a rude or officious manner. Um, you can forgive someone without being sucked back into their vortex of offense. It is okay to avoid offensive people. Did you see what I just said there? It's okay to avoid people. It's okay now, 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 not be bitter against them, not be resentful, okay? But if there are some people, look, there's seven billion people on the globe now, is that right? Or is it eight? Rudy? Eight billion people on the globe. I can't be friends with all of them. <laughs> okay, so there's, there's some people that if their manner or whatever is just too much, then you, it's okay to avoid them. Have you ever met somebody they just rub you the wrong way? You don't hate them. You shouldn't hate them because you love them because you're a Christian. But they just rub you the wrong way. Well, you might not choose to spend every evening with that person, and you would not be unspiritual to have set that boundary in your life. Understand that, okay? Um, you're not required to be everyone's best friend. You can say no to offensive people. Habitual offenders often, make, often mistake willingness to forgive as weakness. The only way to change that perception is to set boundaries. Okay, now all of this is real simple with people you're not related to. <laughs> it's really simple. If they don't live next door to you and you're not related to them, but you know what next week? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Wow. For some people, and I've heard this from people, Pastor Monty, pray for us. <laughs> pray for us. We're going to have quite a mix of Thanksgiving. We're going to have this one and that one and, and the other one. Boy, <laughs> some of you are laughing and nodding. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it, aren't you glad it's just one day? But then Christmas comes a month later. But uh, one, one day, um, love people, get along with them. But let me make this statement. If you know there's angst between you and another person, um, pulling them aside privately and trying to get it right is not a bad idea since you're going to have to eat turkey together anyway. It's not a bad idea. Maybe doing it before Thanksgiving Day that would be potentially a good idea, okay? But, but don't, you're not letting someone in forgiveness, you're not letting someone take continual advantage of you, but you are letting it go. And if you don't let it go, it will sour your soul. If you don't let it go, it's gonna be cancer, okay? Let me, let me just be full transparency. I've been a pastor for 35 years, okay? Um, I've been, I suppose I've been offended on almost every level a person could be offended. I used to have this, this folder this file folder full of nasty letters people wrote me. I mean, now, my, my, my box of great letters was ginormous, okay? Okay, so, but I had the folder. Which one did you think about the most? Okay, probably the folder, okay? And when we moved from the old church, Bob Jones, they taught us save everything in a file. Save everything in a file, everything. You, you're gonna have to have the evidence one day. Save it all. <laughs> So we were trained to do that. Yeah, I, got, I pulled out that thing, and I got looking at it. I was loading up stuff to bring over here to the new church. I feel like the Holy Spirit said, you don't need that. Throw it away. Just throw it away. Throw it away. Now, I'd forgiven those people a long time ago. I didn't even know the content of it. But why would you save it then? What, so you're going to review it so you can open up old wounds? That's what it amounted to, Rudy. That's what it amounted to. Yeah, I just threw it in the trash can. I didn't even know what was in it but I threw it away. 
And you know what, it felt good to throw it away. Why carry that extra baggage around with you, okay? So how does forgiveness work? Let's break this down quickly. Automatic forgiveness, this is an easy one. Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, um, and that's misspelled so you can fix it, deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over transgression. I'm focusing on the last part of the verse, but really a man who is discreet can put off anger. He doesn't have to fly off the handle, and his glory is to pass over a transgression. The words pass over simply mean to overlook it. A transgression is when someone crosses the line with you. It could be a rude remark, a personal slight, an unjust criticism. It could be, Pastor Monty, she gave me a dirty look. She always gives people dirty looks, but you know, it could be anything like that, okay? What, what do you do if you're following this verse? You just overlook it. You overlook it. Okay, so um, passive aggressive. Some people are passive aggressive. Um, well, I, I told him, I was just, you know, I let him know, you know, in, you know, kind of around the, beating around the bush, but I let him know. Probably you didn't. See, can I just say something about that? Don't be passive aggressive with me. Do you know why? I don't notice it. I don't notice it. Okay, you have to be aggressive aggressive with me. I don't notice it. I just think you love me no matter what, and I don't notice it. And the passive aggressive, I don't pick up on that, okay? Um, but being passive aggressive, if someone's that way with you, what do you do? Just overlook it. You can overlook it. It doesn't all have to be a huge issue. There are so many things where we can just overlook them. And that's what I call automatic forgiveness. To pass over transgression means overlook it. Though you recognize the slight, which I, I don't sometimes, I suppose, but though you recognize the slight, you easily just dismiss it. You easily dismiss it. You say something like, well, that person's kind of stupid anyway. And then, and then you just move on, okay? You overlook it that way. That is totally legitimate. You say, why? Because it's not lodging in your heart as resentment. I, I, I didn't go home that night and just review it and review it and it kept me up at night and, and it got to be a big thing in my, I, no, it just, it happened and I just overlooked it and, and, and went on. And that happens in life sometimes. People just make these odd little remarks. That's automatic forgiveness. Now, the next one up the line is this. Personal forgiveness, it's a little higher level, okay? And I've named these myself, okay? Personal forgiveness. And Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty five, when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now in a moment, we're gonna look at another passage that is similar, but they're not the same. They're similar, but they're not the same. In the Mark eleven twenty five passage, Jesus said, when you stand praying, forgive, okay? could be praying in the temple, the synagogue, could be praying at home, but you're praying, he said, forgive, okay? This is personal forgiveness that is unilateral. It only needs to involve the offended party. No confrontation is necessary. So in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm praying, and, all of a, and by the way, why would it be when you're praying? Why? Why would something that someone did to you bother you when you're praying? Can I give you a little hint? Because the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you're praying, but you've got ought against this person. It, this is coming to your mind. This person or this offense is bothering your prayer life. It's coming up in your prayer life. 
And so when you stand praying, Jesus said, forgive. And it's a unilateral thing. The instruction here is not to confront this person. You're just praying as you're praying, you're forgiving. And so you're praying about something and the Lord brings up, uh, up someone to your mind. Gertrude comes to mind. And, um, and you know, oh, Gertrude, boy, she's just ugly and mean and nasty and blah, 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 blah. And then you're, you know, you're not praying for her. You're not necessarily praying against her because you're too Christian to do that. Uh, but you're thinking about her. At that moment, Jesus said, forgive. You have to forgive. What does it mean? You have to release whatever she's done. Okay, now, well, Pastor, you know, just, it'll just keep coming back. Okay, then release it every time it comes back. And hopefully over time it won't come back anymore. But uh, that is unilateral forgiveness. Personal forgiveness should happen when thoughts of the offense come to mind, okay? And you can even say something like this, yeah. Yeah, because the devil likes to remind you not only of your sins, but the sins of other people against you. The devil loves to do that, because if he can get you resentful, he can make you totally ineffective. So the devil's going to try to remember, you know, remember what so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. And, and what's your response? You can even say it out loud. Oh, no, I don't think about that because I forgave that person. You can even say it out loud. Not, not in a crowd of people. Maybe when you're by yourself in your car, people don't want, you know, think people think you're crazy, okay? But you can just say, oh, I, no, I've forgotten that. I've forgiven that person. That person's been forgiven. Okay, that's something that you can do. This is personal forgiveness. Our prayer life and receiving forgiveness from God is frequently linked to our willingness to forgive others. Now, this is certainly true. There are several scriptures that deal with that. For those who are generous in their forgiving of others, they will experience God's generous grace in their life. Okay, and you know, Jesus said, if you're not willing to forgive some of their trespasses, neither will my Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. He said, Pastor Monty, what does that mean theologically? I'm not 100% sure, <laughs> but it sounds pretty threatening to me. If, if God's forgiveness of me is based on my forgiveness of others, and I know how much I need God's forgiveness, then I better be a person that grants forgiveness on the same level that God does to other people. And if I'm stingy about my forgiveness, there is something that I will lack in God's grace in forgiving me. And I don't know all the theological ins and outs of it, okay, I wouldn't even pretend to try to explain it, but I do know that is precisely what Jesus said. And, and probably saying it at the very least to foster a heart that is free to forgive. When we're so stingy about forgiveness, I, I know these people, I think about them often, they're, they're super legalistic about what they call apologies. Well, she has to apologize to me. Okay, she apologizes. Well, she didn't mean it. I don't think it was right. There wasn't enough. She didn't say this, she didn't say that, blah, 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 blah. And it's almost as if we're a judge and jury over every little personal thing that happens. You can't live successfully in life that way, okay? When you rub shoulders with other people, there will be friction. In order to get past the friction, you have to drop the issue and forgive and move on. And if you can't do that, you're chained to it. Well, Pastor, you know, what so-and-so did to me, I just hate them for that. Oh, okay. You are chained to that person. You say you don't like that person, but you forged a chain. You know, it's like, it's like the, 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 that, that Christmas program with the Ebenezer Scrooge, you know. I wear the chains I formed, forged in life. That was one of the lines from that Ebenezer Christmas Carol, okay? It's coming on Christmas, so let's talk about it. I wear the chains I forged in life. How many people have forged their own chains directly connecting themselves to someone else who's no longer in their life, but continues to rattle them because of resentment. 
And if you're bitter and resentful, it's because you have fostered that and allowed it to happen. Oh, Pastor Monty, it's no, it's because so-and-so did something to me. I get that. That's where the whole problem started. But it continues for weeks, months, years, and decades only because I won't obey the Bible. And the Bible says at some point I have to let it go. So personal forgiveness, we need to be generous in our forgiveness of other people. Interpersonal forgiveness, this moves it up another level. Interpersonal forgiveness, Jesus in Matthew 5 verses 23 through 24 said, Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar, (coughs) and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Now notice this, the word reconciliation is in interpersonal forgiveness. Okay, so I want to watch, see a couple points here. An offense has taken place, okay, a relationship has ruptured to a certain degree. Maybe it's not blown up, but you, you feel a distance between yourself and another person. An offense has taken place, a relationship has ruptured. Now what is the next thing that I need to do? When you recognize that, you go to that person, okay? And you go to that person with the idea that you're going to forgive them in the hopes that they are going to forgive you. Now listen carefully to the following. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes our offenses are not one-sided. I think Pastor Morris would tell you it's rare that one person is 100% guilty and nobody else is, okay, in a, in a relationship conflict. I, I can certainly see that it would be rare, okay? There are contributing factors on both parts. What brings restoration in a ruptured relationship is an admitting that I have a problem too, that I am at fault too, okay? For me personally, when, when Kelly and I have a fuss, and we do have fusses sometimes, we do have fusses sometimes, you know, not, not I mean, it's, I don't really frankly understand it because how could you fuss with someone like me? But, uh, but we do, we, <laughs> you know, in all reality, in all reality, I may not even know what I'm guilty of because I'm a guy and I don't get it, okay? Fundamentally don't get it. I may not even know what I'm guilty of, but you know what? I, I, I know I'm just in general guilty of being a jerk. <laughs> just in general, okay? I may not know the specifics. So, well, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna ask forgiveness for anything that I didn't do. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, you have to admit to the Holocaust. No, no one in this room was responsible for the Holocaust, but pause for a moment. Have you ever heard about perception? Ever heard about perception? Okay, so perception is one of the biggest roadblocks to genuine forgiveness. Because in perception, I perceive everything, especially if I've allowed resentment to build in my heart, I perceive everything as a personal slight. If I'm unwilling to forgive someone and then I become resentful, Everything that person says or does or is becomes an issue to me and I read it, I perceive it as a planned negativity towards me. I actually begin to look at people and say that person is calculated. I, in resentment, uh, this could be a whole different sermon series, but in resentment, I will tend to personalize everything they do and say. Well, did you see what she brought to the church fellowship? 
Yeah, she, she brought a potato dish. Well, she knows that I make that exact potato dish. And she is trying to outdo my potato dish. And look at how ostentatious that potato dish is. I learned a new word from my British neighbor this week, the word poncy. Have you all ever heard of the word poncy? It's an English word. It's a legitimate word. I looked it up to make sure it's not a bad word. <laughs> okay. he, said, he said, he said uh, if you're being poncy, it means you're uppity. You know, like what we would call uppity, okay? That's what the word poncy means. You're being uppity. And so, so I think it's a slang expression, but so uh, you, oh, she's being poncy with her fancy potato dish. Now, now, do you know what? The truth is, she wasn't even thinking about you. She just made that potato dish, and you happen to make the same one, okay? But do you see how you could personalize it? Do you know what that is? That is not reality, it is perception. And many relationships that have a long-term rupture, the rupture deepens because of perception that is not reality. And do you know what needs to happen? Rather than going through 25 years of perception issues, you just need to clean the slate and start over and forgive. And when you forgive, you're releasing that debt. You're not going back through it all. You're just re releasing it. So in the goal of interpersonal forgiveness, look at, look at number one, the goal of interpersonal forgiveness is reconciliation, the restoration of a relationship that has been broken. That's why you go to that person, okay? Reconciliation begins with interpersonal forgiveness. Both parties forgive each other for all offenses, both real and perception. Uh, reconciliation happens in person, Go to that person, okay? The crutch and the cowardly use of electronic and digital media to make relationships right is wholly unbiblical, okay? There's a place for texting, not a place when you're talking about relationships that need to be corrected. Do you know why? The keyboard and texting dehumanizes people. That's why people say awful things to one another in text and in type that they would never say face-to-face -to, -face to that person because there's some factor about the keyboard that dehumanizes them. Jesus said you go to that person directly. You look into their eyes because you're communicating with another human being. You look into their eyes and you talk to them in, uh, in an effort to restore. Then forgiveness is the first step. Okay, so reconciliation happens in person. Reconciliation uh, preempts spiritual service. So, you know, you, in the story that the verses we read from Matthew 5, the guy's in church. Okay, he's about to do something spiritual, make an offering. And Jesus said, ah, just leave the offering there. Let that goat, just tie it up to some pillar of the temple. Let it bleat over there, disturb the rest of the service. I'm being somewhat facetious because you got this goat. You're going to offer this goat. Let it just bleed over there. You go and talk to that person, okay? Why? Because the relationship is more important than the sacrifice in the eyes of God. So we can do all these wonderful things for God but have a, a series of broken relationships in the wake of our lives. That's not what God wants, okay? When, when relationships need to come back together. By the way, the church is a family, Folks, we're a family. Your family doesn't always get along great. You know, don't pretend that it does, okay? Thanksgiving is coming, <laughs> be honest. Don't defend that it, no. It doesn't always get along great. 
I'm growing up, I, when we had extended relatives come to my house. As a kid, I was just glad when Thanksgiving was over and we didn't come to fist fight because that happened at funerals in the, the Italian side of the family. There were contributing factors to that, but it happened at funerals. I was just glad when it was all over with, okay? People got mad with each other. It's unsafe people, so they all blew up and got mad with each other. But truth of the matter is, I should be willing to reconcile, and that is, look at the last point, the ideal outcome of forgiveness. But forgiveness can happen whether reconciliation does or not, because remember, they're two different things. In some very limited cases, reconciliation is not possible nor desirable. And I put that in there not to give you a loophole, but to say that there are certain situations, very few and very limited, where we cannot reconcile, where it would put someone in a bad way. Okay, now turn to Matthew. By the way, at the top of your lesson, I gave a corresponding passage from Colossians that you should look at later, but turn to Matthew 18, because I want you to see this. Jesus took an awful lot of of, um, of space in our Bible to talk about the matter of forgiveness, okay? And look at Matthew 18. Part of this is very familiar, but part of it may not be. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till, till seven times. Seems generous. By the way, we have no reason to believe that the sin is repetitive, and we sometimes think that, but it's not the same sin. So this guy offended me because he said something rude, then he offended me because he did this or he did that. It may be something totally different, but how many times do I put up with someone who has offended me, whether it be the same habitual offense or whether it be different ones? How many times? Till, till seven times? Peter thought he was being real generous there because the, the pharisaical answer would be far less than that, maybe three Jesus saying, Now I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Right away someone says, okay, 490 times. <laughs> what Jesus was saying is there should be no limit on your forgiveness. What he was really nailing was the idea that you are so uh, judicious, okay, about forgiveness, that you are so measured in it, that you want it to be such a precise thing when it is a general characteristic and a general principle for us all. But then he said in verse 23, therefore, notice the word, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents, a phenomenal amount of money. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So that was a rather, a rather unpleasant way to repay the debt, to get the debt back. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him. That means he bowed down to this, this master saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, do you notice the parallel between a financial debt and a offense debt, okay? They're really the same thing. It's just a different topic. This, this Lord who was owed so much money, he was moved with compassion. By the way, that'd be a good thing sometimes. Well, Pastor Monty, so-and-so, you know, did something awful to me. Yeah, but you could still have compassion on them for being a broken human being. The Bible doesn't say we have to dismiss compassion from our hearts. And so this man moved with compassion, loosed him, and forgave him the debt. Verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, a mere pittance. 
And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, and people, by the way, I always know if we have a tiff among ourselves, you know, it always gets out. When his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. The man who had forgiven the major debt of this man, they came and told him everything that happened. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity upon thee? By the way, it's only reasonable. God's forgiven us our sins. God's forgiven us all our sins. Stuff nobody else knows about, only God knows about. Wow, Pastor Money, so-and-so, I just, they, they're just, they just hurt my feelings. <laughs> How many times have we hurt the feelings of God? How many times? How many times? It's unreasonable for us to bask in the depths of God's grace and be stingy in our forgiveness with other people. That's very, very unreasonable. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, verse 33, Shouldst thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, he was angry, because this man was so inconsistent with his Lord's example. He delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. So likewise, and this is the application, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. He said, Pastor Monty, tell me about all the theological implications of that. <laughs> I, I don't know. But all I know is this. I don't want to be on the wrong end of that scripture. Does everyone get what I'm saying? I don't understand all the theological implications, but I don't want to be on the wrong end of that scripture. So what does it mean? It means in my life... I just learn how to forgive people. I just learn how to let it go. I want relationships that have been broken. I really desire them to be reconciled, okay? If I'm walking down the aisle in Walmart, which would be extremely rare for me, but if I were walking down the aisle in Walmart and someone turns the corner, maybe left the church in a huff, you know, years ago, I, I'm not gonna be that person who turns on my heel and walks the other direction. No, why? We just get over it. Okay, just get over it. And by the way, maybe be that person who walks, and here's the person I am. I just walk right up to him and start smiling and talk as if nothing ever happened. You know why? Because we all grow up. And maybe we had a conflict that was a big deal, but now it's not as big a deal. And maybe forgiveness should have happened. And, and maybe reconciliation could happen. And, and maybe the person might even come back to the church. Who knows? But isn't that the way it's supposed to be? If it doesn't turn out that way, and I'll be done in a second, but I get passionate about this. If it doesn't turn out that way on this earth sometimes, isn't heaven gonna be kind of awkward? <laughs> Ever thought about that? It could be real awkward. I was walking down, the, I was walking down those golden streets and here comes brother so-and-so. And then you have that, well, could I feel awkward in heaven? I don't know, but maybe you would. <laughs> I'd look at the guy and say, well, I'm surprised to see you here. <laughs> <laughs> might be that might be the point but what is what is jesus saying just be be generous with your forgiveness because god's been generous to us to every person in this room 
Be generous and, and overlook stuff. Don't wear your feelings on your shirt sleeves. Everything's an offense to me. Everything makes me mad. Stop it. Just stop being a baby. Stop being a baby, okay? And then if you think of something, forgive that person and just move on. And if there's a rupture in the relationship, talk it out with that person with the goal of restoration and with the purpose of forgiveness. And if they don't want to restore, that's on them. But I can forgive and I can walk on and I can be free and I can know that I did everything I could to walk in the commandments of Scripture. I'll be done with this. We all believe the Bible here. We believe the Bible. Do you know that in 35 years of pastoring what I've observed? Here's what I've observed. That the Bible, everyone believes the Bible. Pastor Mike, we believe that Bible. Amen. We believe that Bible. This Bible gets scuttled and jettisoned faster in regard to human relationship issues than any other issue. It just gets set aside. We shouldn't do that because it robs us of our joy, it robs us of the reality of our faith, it robs us of rich relationships that we can have going on, and really it just robs us of our walk with Jesus. Let's love and forgive. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word in something that is so difficult for us, sometimes because of our own fallenness and our propensity to obsess over offenses to the point of building bitterness and resentment. I pray, Lord, you'll take the message tonight and just help us to really shine the light of the Word of God in our hearts and and be willing to start fresh and new. Lord, maybe there's some folks that we can't, they don't want a relationship with us anymore, but we can sure forgive. Lord, we can sure just release debts that maybe we've carried for a long time and just let them go. And I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would just do what he wants to do with this in each of our lives. Thank you for your word and your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and you're dismissed.